So I just, I, you know, and it made me understand about when you don't face things, actually that leaves a, a legacy that is more painful than it needs to be. What is up, our fellow Legacy Ninjas? It's amazing when you tap into and understand the power of your experiences. Your experiences happen for a reason because it's part of your journey, which in turn you turn around and share those experiences as gifts to somebody else. Now, what would life look like if you looked at your experiences in life in a different light? How would that show up differently for you and what would that do for you when you interact with somebody else? It's just one of those small perspective shifts that you need to take to be able to create a bigger impact in the world. On this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Wendy Nash and just listening to her story, the journey that she's gone on and what that has done with her and the ability to impact up and coming CEOs. Within the episode, we talk about the power of your circle, overcoming the limiting beliefs, and discovering the tripping points. Think about the aspect of understanding how those experiences can trigger you and what you need to do to ensure that you overcome those limiting beliefs so that way you don't miss out on the opportunity to share that experience as a gift for somebody else that's meant to impact them so they can go find their gifts. Other than that, our fellow Legacy Ninjas, enjoy the episode and we'll catch you later. Welcome, fellow Legacy Ninjas, to the next episode of Lazy Digging with Two Native Sons. And as always, when we discuss and bring others on with our guests, it's really showcasing and sharing what these individuals have done, what they're doing with the legacy that they're creating, and the impact that they're looking to make within the lives of others and the world in general. And so it's one of these things that these stories you may never know about them because you just don't know about the individual. And it's just the fact that we just run in these small circles. So expanding and really showcasing other people's stories are huge for us. So Scott Brand as the host, Patrick is not in today. And today the guest that we have with us is Wendy Nash. With her journey and what she's doing with working with individuals, high level individuals, and helping them tap into overcoming the garbage inside the limiting beliefs is a huge thing that a lot of us really need to tap into. So there's going to be things in here that as a legacy ninja, take these notes, find out what it is for you that you need to extract and really build upon yourself. So Wendy, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. And when you think about the idea of the limiting beliefs, because you did talk about going through school and having your teacher with the maybe the the bluntness and believing that they were kind of holding you back maybe a little bit. And then as you're growing up, working with CEOs, helping them to create a culture of prosperity and really not bleeding into others, their employees. When you look at those two things and you look at the legacy piece, how do those intertwine for you as an individual? Yeah, thanks, Scott. Like, I just, before I start, I just wanted to say thank you very much for um, inviting me on the show and for your program. So I think there's, there's a few things I just, before we even begin, that I want to go into about 
legacy and I use different terms like history, ancestry, and perhaps some other terms. So we'll lineage, heritage. I'm going to sort of put us in the middle of a long chain of coming from and going to. So I'll, I'll frame it within that perspective. So before I do, I just want to acknowledge that I am actually calling from um, this is Aboriginal country. I'm calling from Australia. And this is Darug country. This is the people who have actually been displaced by by our ancestry of slavery and colonisation and, and a variety of different things. And uh, that has a huge impact on what pe- sort of where I go to and how I understand where I'm calling from. So I just sort of want to put myself in the middle of a long lineage in terms of that um, and just as I as we're, I look around at the planet and where we're all at for that, I think I, I just want to recognise that Aboriginal people have been on this land for 70,000 years. So in terms of legacy, they've learnt these little tiny things along the way and they have just slowly whittled and crafted the art of living in a variety of different climates. Australia has a, a lot of different climates, a lot of different nations, I don't know, 800 different different countries in Australia and twice as many languages or whatever it is so just to recognize that that's where I've come from I think it's really important to recognize where we've come from what we come with and where we're going to you spoke about my um, school report so just to, to give a bit of a heads up I was I'm in the process of moving so I'm I'm actually in a process process of transition so I'm moving uh, interstate in a couple of months and so of course I'm cleaning out the kitchen all the cupboards and I found these uh, old school reports and I also found some photos and my school reports you know like I was really touched because I had I had a very very painful school life I failed I ended I was something like in eight different classes unexpectedly it was really quite a calamity and I ended up dropping out and I always thought I was really stupid actually and then I see these reports from when I'm five six seven eight and sort of even year nine ten when it was all going horribly wrong and I see this you know keen learner enthusiastic enjoys class enjoys learning and you know didn't do well you know Wendy's uh, written work was very under par so actually what I thought was a global statement about I'm just really stupid and I don't know anything and I'm no good at school turned out to be a small thing of technique and confidence in writing so I just missed out on that early stuff and then that completely dragged me down for the rest and so that's been quite a large exploration it was quite nice to kind of go actually all this idea that I had about myself my own legacy of school to to kind of go oh I'm really I I can't do anything I'm no good at anything and to go actually I have I have a lot of enthusiasm and and engagement with learning so uh, I think that's really important to really in terms of legacy what exactly is to focus on what is exactly the specific issue that went wrong rather than making it a global statement of oh well I'm just stupid or I don't know anything or I'm selfish or whatever it is to look well what was the actual breakdown of that that made that come into to to be a belief and the other thing that I did is I also stumbled across a photo of my father and I've seen the photo lots of times in my life and one of the things that was very painful in my early life one of the reasons I failed school so spectacularly is because my father died at 
when I was 13. It was very complicated circumstances. And actually, I'll tell you about that because what he did is he got sick. It had actually been both my my sister had died, uh, my mother's parents had died, his father had died, and then a couple of years later he became sick and everybody died of terminal illnesses. So it was nothing accidental. It was all terminal illnesses. And he just couldn't manage that oh, my goodness, you know, here I am, I'm having to deal with this. And so he didn't go to the doctor. He had symptoms, but he didn't go to the doctor. And the implications of that are that by the time he did go to the doctor, actually it was too late. So he one day decided he would leave, but we didn't Mm. know this. And uh, actually my brother was in America having a really bad time, as it turns out. And so we came home from school and work and everything, and he'd just gone. And six weeks later, he had died in a hospice in England. So I just mm. want to put, put that out there as kind of like, so what is legacy? Legacy is what happens afterwards. And so as a result of that, you know, I'm a kind of lemons into lemonade kind of person. So I'm like a complete health freak. So I always mm. like, you know, in the minute there's like, you know, a, a little twitch in my toenail. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got, you know, cancer in the toenail. Off I go, you know, to the GP. If for nothing else to get it checked out, just because, well, I don't want to leave the legacy of a death in my family that could have perhaps been not had. So I just, I, you know, and it made me understand about when you don't face things, actually that leaves a, a legacy that is more painful than it needs to be. So just in terms of your program, I think it's really important to do that. And I also want to say, if you're sick, go to the doctor. <laughs> Other people, you, and even if you're suicidal and you think, oh, well, you know, my, work, my life is not worth anything, all I want to say to you is, um, is actually that you are very loved, but you may not know that and you may not feel that, but that doesn't change the fact that you are loved and that people want you on the planet. So I just, you know, these are all legacy issues. So I just, it's not quite the CEO stuff, but it is really about facing what is sometimes very, very painful stuff to make sure that what comes forward is is actually better. And the other thing about finding that photograph is that, because I I haven't seen him since I was 13, is I look at him and I'm so like my mother. I look so much like her. And everyone goes, wow, you look so much like your mother. And I look at my dad and I'm like, wow, don't I look like him? Oh, my goodness. And it was just really nice to go, ah, actually, I'm so like my dad. But, of course, you know, all these years later, I, you know, some bits I remember him, but I don't know him as a man. So Mm. it was really nice to, to do that. Sorry about that slight diversion into all that. Yeah, no, I want to I want to apologize because the the thing that really springs up here is you you talked about the struggles in school and then you had these limiting beliefs that really when we look at it the starting foundation really to be able to extract and start creating that legacy is starting with yourself because those mentality pieces the limiting beliefs can really set you back. Uh, there's an item that we've talked about that regardless of how far you get ahead in life, if you're elevating into that next level, but your belief system hasn't been worked on and hasn't been shaped to work with you, 
once you get to that top level, you're coming back down because your limiting beliefs are like an anchor. And so that story right there of overcoming and where you're at now and what you've been doing is a huge testament to working on that internal limiting beliefs and shaping those to look differently. And I have to really that the suicide part, because Patrick went through that at one point where he was suicidal and he thought everything would be better if he wasn't around. And so that speaks volumes to find your tribe and not to try to do this on your own because we're social creatures. We're meant to be around each other. But you have to be mindful about who's part of that circle and how are they helping to elevate you or are they a crab in a bucket and are they pulling you back down? So what you shared is huge because these are things for people to really sit down and simmer on because if we don't get the limiting beliefs and we don't get that belief system to a different level and you shape it differently, you're not going to get anywhere in life because those are your anchoring points that are going to hold you back. It's a really, really beautiful way of saying it. I'm very sad to hear about Patrick and that he went through that difficult time. You know, the thing about loneliness is actually everybody knows what that word means, which means everybody feels lonely. Everyone knows what Mm -hmm. rejected feels like because, you know, we all know these words. We all know what isolated means. So that idea, we are completely connected and that leads in very nicely into this idea of legacy where have we come from? Where are we going to? And yet there are people you have to leave behind who, as you say, not, not supportive of your best place. And that doesn't mean to say they don't love you. It's just that sometimes love is not enough. I think we are quite a romantic society about love. And we think love will cure everything. And love doesn't cure everything. It's, it's nice, but we actually need... So what do we need? We actually need technique. And that's very, Hmm. you know, like we underestimate, we sort of think, oh, it'll just be natural. But actually you have to apply yourself. So I used to be a very bitter, angry person because Hmm. I had all these very complicated, difficult circumstances and and there's a whole lot of other stuff in there that I haven't even touched on. So it was very, very painful and I was in a lot of confusion and you know, if, if I hadn't had all those deaths in my early life, I would have undoubtedly suicided or gotten into drugs or whatever it is. Yeah. So at some level, that heritage that I, my life was a real determinant for me to go, I want to do it differently. I think that that's really important to, to recognise. So what I wanted to talk about is what I did do is I turned all those really difficult moments I had to go into it. So it's not, you can't just change who, how you go through life just by being, thinking positively. You've got to do it at a systemic level. And I'm sure Patrick ended up reaching out for psychological support to help him kind of carry him through that very difficult place. And we need people around us who are going to support us to get us through these difficult places, to face it together. We are in this together, to go forward together. And then by doing that, like Patrick has got this show with you and you've bonded very closely. And that's as a direct result of those difficult circumstances. But you've got to go in there. And, you know, a bit like everything where you've come from has got 
legacy and ancestry and is a matter of whittling and improving. So we were talking just before this program about, well, the audio and the technical and what are we going to do about the imperfections? Well, the imperfections are actually the bit that, well, that didn't work out so well, so what can I do better? It's, it's as if that is actually what, what legacy is in my mind. It's like, well, that wasn't so good. What can I do better? And because I had this very painful life, early life, I spent all my time focusing on love. How can I do to others what I didn't have done to me? How do you flip that out? And, and I, I just, so I was like determined. And so I just applied and I learned all this stuff about psychotherapy and I took up meditation and I, and I do loving kindness meditation like it's on steroids. Mm. Because, of course, I was so angry, so I needed all that love. I need to, yeah. to do all that, that focus on love and kindness, which is a form of legacy. You know, it's in this moment. It's right here, talking with you, Scott, in this moment that the legacy occurs. I think it's, it's interesting because when you think about that, that intersection point when you're meeting with other people, wherever they're at, regardless, that intersection point builds and there's something in there that lays another brick to the foundation of what you're building legacy-wise. Because the thing is, we've talked about this, that building a legacy and what you're leaving behind once you're off planet Earth is a team effort. This is not a one-man show. You can't do everything on your own. So this is the importance of understanding that every interaction that you have with somebody is for a reason. And there might be something here that you haven't thought about before that can give you a key, a puzzle piece that can unlock that next door to get to the next point, whatever you're trying to do. And so I think it's huge when you're when you're talking about these intersection points and how they collide and they come together and the experiences are there for a reason. It's a matter of you looking and finding and extracting what that is, which is a difficult thing sometimes because you might not be present and you're so far out thinking about the past, the present, the future, and not being centered can be hard to find those key things. And so it's coming into the point of centering yourself, being present, and then doing that deep dive, which can be scary because you might have to wait through some stuff to grab whatever you need. And so that can be a scary thing that you're having to go through the garbage potentially to get to that one key that you need to go to that next level. Yeah. And so actually it becomes a real asset. So I just wanted to talk about one of the CEOs that I work with and well, he's not yet a CEO. He's just starting his company. He's got um, an app that he's trying to put together he came to me because he had he's got a really he had a really bad temper and i had a really bad temper so i'm like i can lead you through this message short but i wasn't coming from a position of you know you shouldn't get angry or uh, i know you know like what's your issue or something i'm going yeah it's tough it's going to take you 10 years to stop being angry it, it actually only took a few months because oh, okay. I, I i led him in that technique to go this i mean he's a very clever guy so he just applied the principles. Yeah, but it's because I have gone through this very painful place, I can actually meet him. I can really meet him where he is. Mm. There's no sense of I'm coming from above or even below or from a distance. I'm like right there meeting him. 
and it's it's really difficult so yesterday we we were having a chat and he said I you know because I'm I'm straight to the point so I go you know I can just hear a little bit of dismissiveness and contempt in here and he said yeah it's true how do I get rid of that and I said you've just got to go yep yes it's true I feel contempt yes it's true I feel dismissive that's it you don't have to go worry about storyline if you just do that and then he's like oh okay and then next time he feels like saying something which has this sort of contemptuous tone to it he now owns that so it's less likely to be kind of the legacy that he leaves behind that the next person is like wow that was pretty pretty offhand what was all that about so these are these tiny little legacy things that we do along the way it's not necessarily in the big picture although you know so what I want to do in my job is I've had all this like I've worked in all these places and there's so many of them are awful places to work the people are horrible and that's because the CEO has never looked at their own blind spots their own ambition their own drive to be successful and underneath that is this kind of place maybe contempt maybe dismissiveness maybe frightened maybe anxious all this sort of sense of failure fear of failure all this is sitting at the back but unless you kind of look into the blind spot of that and it's how can you look into a blind spot it's a blind spot you can't see it but I've got a I've got a good question for you here so this will be useful for your listeners who are kind of going how do I find the blind spot so it's uh you can do this you don't have to be meditating I I'm a really big meditator obviously but you can do this as you're cleaning going for you know start off for a run or you clean the house or whatever it is that you do, something fairly repetitive in the garden, something like that, is when you first start, what am I not seeing about this? So you bring to mind the little problem you've got and then you go, what am I not seeing about that? And that is a kind of a backwards question. The logic can't answer it. So something else has to come up through the mind. It kind of uh, short circuits the kind of one that wants the part of the mind that wants the rational thing to happen. And so what am I not seeing about that? And that will bring up the blind spot because it's all sitting here. Mm. You know, the mind knows it. It'll come forward if it's given the opportunity. And then once we do that and then we go, oh, wow, I feel like the other day I was meditating and I'm going, I feel jealous. You know, I see these like really successful people who are, you know, influencers and they're rich and they've got money and people love them and they're on all these amazing podcasts and, you know, they're really like super successful. And I'm going, well, who do they think they are? And then I'm like, wow, what am I not seeing about this? I'm not seeing that I am actually just plain jealous. You know, I sort of so strongly identify with this girl who failed school that no one liked. You know, I look at the popular people who are successful and that just encapsulates those two together. So you've got to just own it. And uh, now I don't, oh, yeah, I'm jealous. Okay. I'll live with that. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing by asking those questions, by being present. But that's also where it's the, the team piece, the, the aspect of who you're surrounding yourself with, being mindful because you're centered to everything. And so sometimes center of the storm is hard to see everything. By having somebody outside that can point that out, they can help you find and really fine tune that because we don't see everything. We're blind because we're centered to everything. And that's huge. And so it's interesting that 
working with CEOs, startup companies, and going this way to build this legacy because you highlight the fact that internal struggle, that internal garbage of the CEO that maybe they haven't gone and cleared out or really dug deep to find what they need to impacts everything else with their business. And so it's interesting when you look at what you're accomplishing and what you're bringing forward, what really drew you into the wanting to work with CEOs and individuals that are looking to start up a business. What was that for you that really drew you in to say, this is what I want to do to impact the world? Yeah. So a few different things, you know, you don't just do it because you just start. One is I just love meditation. Like I just, for me, like I'm Buddhist and that has been super supportive for me. If you're a Christian, you know, you may not have a lot of Christian listeners and I and I really support that and I work with a Muslim client and and I always encourage him to investigate in the Quran turn that into his own words and I I that's that uh, so one is just that I could actually use what I knew so that was really nice and it was really nice to use something that I felt confident about that I had a, a good grounding in I really like really clever people I like hanging out with those people so that was just you know meeting high-tech startup guys who are you know, starting who are interested in the mechanics of business and high tech and, you know, technology and where is it going and all this sort of stuff. I just love working with people with that mind. I also have worked in so many crappy jobs and I, I did admin for a long time because, of course, I failed school and there weren't very many options. So I just did a secretarial course for a year and that allowed me to travel in different countries. You know, I lived in I lived in Sweden. I worked for a Swedish law firm, actually in London, but I worked at the University of Oxford. I also have worked with Microsoft in Paris. I lived in French countryside. All that was because I did my crappy one-year secretarial course <laughs> and I just used that. I leveraged it to the best of my capacity. So I I took, you know, what I could. It was the reason I, I did that, that course. But I sat there at the bottom of the pile going, wow, these, this is really unpleasant. And yeah. there are a few opportunities for mentoring in that role. So I couldn't figure out how to get out of it. So I just had to deal with the fact that I was unhappy in it and that's what made me encourage it. But, and, but I also got an opportunity to observe kind of when you're a secretary, actually you, you are a fly on the wall because everybody thinks you're the servant and you're invisible. Mm. And actually, you know, people come to you and they go, oh, you know, the CEO, he's such an ass. So do we, re- oh, he's just such a micromanager. Look, why do we have to go through these charades? So you hear everything from the staff and mm. then you hear everything from the CEO who's going, oh, I'll just give the impression that I'm going to uh, go through the motions, but I've actually already made up my mind. Mm. And then on the other side going, oh, why does he always go through the motions? We know he's made up his mind. Like to really live that experience, <laughs> you know, right close and see, hear both sides, you know. So that's why I think it's really important. And to be honest, in terms of legacy, I know with climate change, who knows how long we're on the planet? The climate, mm. climate scientists are saying we probably won't make it into the next century. We mm. probably won't. And so that can be a very bleak and dark, despairing idea if you're really oriented to the future. Mm. But if you're looking at the next few years, then it's really nice to think, well, what can make the world easier and better and kinder for the time that we do have on the planet? You know, we may only have a few years. We may have 10, 15, 20 years. 
you know, who knows? But, gee, wouldn't it be nice if the time that we do have, our legacy wasn't angry, our legacy was kindness. It was Mm. binding us, connecting us, supporting each other. And so my hope is that working with CEOs of startup companies and people who are going in that direction is that they, they create companies that are kind, that are respectful, that are thoughtful, that are curious. I created a framework based on a meditation practice called the Metta Bhavana practice, which is a loving kindness meditation. And it has four steps to it. Basically, you go, what's good about this project? And both people or people around that people, you know, discuss that. What's not good? What's bad about this project? Where we are, what we're doing, how we're going about it. What do we not know? What, are, what is confusing about that? And then what's the overall picture? Do we go ahead? Do we change direction? Do we pivot? But it's quite a nice framework to use meditation to do that. But you you can do it at a project to kind of keep you on track, but you can also do it in evaluations. So you go to your staff, you you can you can do this with your in your show with, with the people you work with and just go, well, what's what is working well in our role together? What is working well in our relationship? what is not working well in our roles together, what is not working in our relationship, what, what do we not know about each other, what's confusing about each other's perspectives, and then what do we think in the overall picture? Are we working well together? Where can we improve? Do we want to continue this relationship? And you can do that with evaluations, and it's a very specific and it's very global. And if we could do evaluations in that framework, be so nice. I don't know about you. When you've worked in companies, have you had much chance to voice where you kind of, why you did things the way you did? For myself, I, I'm actually very vocal. So I will speak my mind. Uh, so I served, I was nine years active duty Air Force and then in the reserves now for the Air Force still. RE9, which is a chief, I sat down and talked to her and she's like, are you going to go for the next rank? I was like, I don't want the next rank. I'm just here to do my time to keep moving forward. And when I brought that up, she had this look on her face of like, I was speaking a foreign language and it's very interesting how people will get so hamstrung on their tunnel vision. This is how it is that when somebody brings something up that goes against that, they're like, oh, my goodness. And it shocks them. And so that's where it's important to have that open mind, really accept people where they're at, meet them where they're at with an open mind to create a space for them so they can show up true, authentic, vulnerable to keep moving forward, because that really is a space that a lot of people don't get. And then you have the, the issue where people will show up one way in certain part of their lives. And then they may be showing up another way in another part of their life. And that other part may be where the mask is on. And so they're not showing up as their true authentic self. And that can really mess up things that you're trying to accomplish, things that you're trying to bring to the forefront and the relationships you potentially create or miss out on because you're not being your true authentic self. It's not like we are linear and there is just one thing. You know, as you said, it's all about how does it all connect. And so that's, you know, there isn't legacy in one direction. It's so wide and broad. No, very, very true. And I I look at it because 
I've got two daughters. And so it's a very unique thing about how having kids, they're their own human, they're their own individual. And your interactions with your kids can extend out. So that is another growth piece there that sometimes we overlook. And the legacy piece, whatever you're building, that extension out could be quite funky, jacked up because maybe you're not showing up fully for your kids or your kids don't have that opportunity to be their individual self and be able to speak up and share the ideas, share what's on their heart, what's on their mind. Because as adults, as parents, we're like, we know best. (laughs) If you're a kid, you don't know nothing. And it's tough because then you start the vicious cycle of what you're, as a kid, you're like, I never wanted to do this. I don't want to be like my mom and dad, but then it happens and it just keeps growing and growing. And we're like, man, what is going on here? So it's that awareness piece and stepping in and saying, I'm going to do something different. But that's a tough thing because you're going against the grain, the comfort zones there. And so you've got to rework your thought patterns and the neuroplasticity of your brain and change that, which isn't the easiest thing. It's unique on this perspective on just how things grow that we may not realize or we may not see. And I think the other thing is it goes back to my earlier point of, you know, it's technique so much of it's not that for instance you're with your your kids your daughters and you want to scream at them because they've like I don't know whatever spilt marker on the carpet or whatever it is and you've kind of gone ah you know you've got all this hard wiring from your own childhood which is just like gonna come out of your mouth you know before you've even your brain has not yet engaged and so it's like So that's why I meditate because it gives me that pause. But just because I think this is a really good book and I I really like it. Um, If I I don't know these authors, I have no public engagement. I don't get any money or anything. But I think it's the best book on how to speak to others, uh, Mm. to learn techniques with actually it talks about more adolescence where it's really tough some of those conversations are really tough but also with colleagues and it's a book called rapport by emily allison and lawrence allison and they studied what gave credible information with terrorists so how do you get good information from terrorists and criminals and how do they disclose what is useful not just what they think you want to hear but actually Mm. the truth and so that book gives it's very very practical I would recommend it for anybody who wants to learn to improve on their speaking skills and how to build their relationships that is completely the best book appreciate that share um, because that could be something like we talked about something that somebody's looking for and it could be that one key that could set them up to move to that next level to elevate and whatnot as you're working with CEOs and helping them with their inner world and helping them make that impact on the outer world, as you're doing that, what other things are you looking to accomplish to enhance what you're bringing to others and to make that impact? What else are you working on right now? Uh, I take really good care of my body. So body and mind, you know, no difference. So uh, I'll give you some really super easy, handy hints to take care of the body that takes almost no effort. So stuff like that. So the single best thing to keep yourself in a a more upbeat mood, which is just takes no effort, is uh, to drink two litres of water a day. 
So I don't know. I think a litre is about a quart. I don't know how much. It, that's what I heard, something like that. But <laughs> basically, because we, we went metric, we went to metric measurements in 1974. So I just don't know what imperial is. And so what I do is I have these ordinary <laughs> mugs that I just, I put on the table. I put four of them in front of my keyboard between the laptop and I fill them up with four four mugs in the morning Mm. I repeat after lunch if I drink all those that's my two liters and that's the single easiest thing to do to lift your spirits other ways that are that I think just take that break obviously meditation and people have really big ideas about what that is sitting 20 minutes on the cushion so I can Mm. give you I'm always looking for ways to make it as easy and as applied as I possibly can for people who have no time particularly people like who have kids like yourself having to run around and all so full on when you've got kids so things like in your house do you have a corridor or some some place like that yeah so as you step onto the corridor between one room and another just really notice your feet as the the pressure on your feet the texture Mm -hmm. if you walk barefoot the, on, with the carpet or the or the floor, whatever tiles, and just really notice the texture, the temperature, and just ground it, and that will just slow down your mind, just for a nanosecond. So it's a mm. it's called walking meditation. So there's no extra time taken on that. Another one is when you touch your as you're going through your day, you touch the mouse, and you just every time you touch the mouse, you just become aware of. What does it feel like? Is it smooth? Is it cold? Is it warm? Things like that. Another thing you can do is when you walk outside and maybe there's a park nearby or you're on the way to a meeting, you just listen out for the sounds just to ground. Mm. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I... No, I think, yeah, so it's one of those things that there's things that you're doing, which the meditation piece as you're working with people that's tools that you can provide somebody. And then when you think about it, when somebody taps into that, it's a thing that enhances what's taking place. So as you're going through these simple meditation processes that you're sharing here, the fact of being present and having that gratitude in hand with just those present points is a huge thing. And I think when you look at that opportunity to come and be centered and be present and actually have your mind cleared and take that time for the gratitude piece, it's a huge thing because you can say, I'm grateful for just being here at this moment, but then you can start enhancing those different things of the gratitude piece because the power of gratitude when life gets tough and is kind of out of whack, gratitude can help bring you back. And then the interesting thing is with the gratitude piece, things show up differently in your life um, because your vision, your perspective is at a different level than the normal individual that's not being mindful, not being aware. Yeah, so there's a really good clip with Mr. Rogers. I gather Americans, everyone knows Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think, an interview. Is it someone called Charlie Rice? I can't remember. Anyway, in the 70s. Yeah, I I don't know. So it's an interview. And he talks about, Mr. Rogers, about the importance of receiving gracefully. So Mm. instead of rushing around doing, you know, for other people and helping other people, actually really engage with the idea of how well are you receiving what you are offered. (laughs) 
So for instance, we've got this, you've got this podcast program and you've prepared for it. You've thought about it. You were happy to change your arrangements to fit with a, my time zone. And, and also I had a, a bit of anxiety about the technicals, whether they would work and you were happy to work around that. And I just wanted to say how much I appreciate that you were able to be flexible and thoughtful in all these things, you know, and you, you've obviously got your audience in mind. And so you're wanting them to have a good experience. And so there's something about, I appreciate the care that you take in making sure that you have a good experience. I have a good experience and so that the audience has a good experience. So it's very small. So you could say, for instance, if somebody makes you your cup of coffee in the morning, does somebody make you a cup of coffee in the morning? It's usually water. So I'll, I'll go and grab a jug, fill that up and then <laughs> go about my day. <laughs> but, do, do, you know, or maybe you, um, if somebody makes you your, your food. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So somebody goes shopping for you. Somebody takes time out of their day to make sure that you feel nourished, that you like the meal. They have thought through what is going to happen with that. Perhaps they earn money to make sure that the house is safe, secure, in a place where you feel well with the children. Mm. So there's a lot of things in that and that when the food is, you know, to cook food, it doesn't happen, you know, in the blink of an eye. Someone actually has to take time out of their day to chop and then you've got pans. It, there is a, a really great meditation practice, which is to ask, uh, now, do you drink coffee or tea or anything? Is there something? Uh, tea, coffee on occasion, so do drink it. Okay. Or even uh, do you have a glass of wine or perhaps a drink? Yeah, usually it's just water. So, yeah, I'll have a glass of water. So. Okay. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go with the water. We'll go with the water. Here's the thing. So as you, you I want to say you've got your glass of water there. How many people got your glass of water? If we're going all the way back from when I was born, it, it could be hundreds and hundreds of people for all I know. So it's interesting. Yeah, so going back and looking and uh, just the where you're at now and how people have shown up and just done things for you. And uh, having the gratitude piece. <laughs> there you go. Not only that, but actually, so I think your your water has been in the fridge. Is that correct? Uh, Is yeah. It cold water. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm just going to start with that. So there is a whole lot of labor about the glass. Mm. How did it turn into glass? How did it turn into its shape? How did it get to the store? How did you buy it? Who were all those? thousands and thousands of people we have just talked about the glass okay so now you you've got the water itself so then you've got the rivers and and everything like that you've got the recycling plants the cleaning plants you've got the plumbers who made your house and they also plumbers actually so when did plumbing come i don't know the roman empire or something so there's a whole lot of people who've been in the process to get you the plumbing in your in your house so you've got the metal manufacturers, you've got uh, the plastics and all these other, you know, then you're into fuel and coal and oil and shipping and all this sort of stuff. So then you've got the container ships. So I'm only just talking two things here. 
I didn't go into your parents and where they all came from and the rest of your house. So it is amazing to think, okay, so how respectful am I of all the people who have made this moment, my life, Mm. come together? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, when you bring it that way and you go with a different, like just very deep on that, it is powerful to think just how many people it took to get to where you're at. <laughs> and so that's, that's a very huge flip there. Um, really taking it from a different perspective that a lot of times we may overlook or we get so busy and we don't realize it. So I appreciate that. And uh, I know any legacy ninja listening right now, take that into consideration and just really sit there and think about that in a different light and then that will start flipping things for you because then you'll start looking at things differently in a different light, which leads to some big changes potentially for you by the perspective shift. Yeah, like, you know, we talk about grateful. I'm, I'm personally not a great fan of the gratefulness movement, not because I, I uh, don't value what I and appreciate what is given, but I hate this kind of, oh, you know, be grateful for the little you get, you know, you should be grateful for what you have. And I, I feel like if I want to be grateful, I'm, I think that's lovely. And I do appreciate my partner every time he does something for me, like him does all the cooking and, and, and everything. Then I, you know, I always thank him every time he makes me a meal. And I always mm. take the time to go, like he makes breakfast every day. So I just go, wow, you made a beautiful breakfast. I really like the t- the egg. You've done it perfectly today. So I try and get <laughs> one tiny compliment for him every day. Mm. And that's, and I'm not saying, you know, I need to be grateful. I'm just appreciating yeah. what is here already. And I think yeah. that sometimes the grateful thing can be a bit, you know, rammed down my throat or something. You know, mm. I just, I don't like that. So that that's yeah. my only qualm about the grateful thing. No, it makes sense. Um, and that's the thing I think. And that Patrick and I, when we talk about different things, sometimes you get ideas that are so overworked and pushed down people's throats and whatnot. So it is a little bit of changing that narrative, changing that perspective, because sometimes with it constantly put in your face and you're constantly seeing it, it loses its luster, it loses its meaning. And then we're just completely different, completely somewhere else that we probably shouldn't be. But I understand where you come from that because that is something that is a heavily used item. Um, And so it it loses its actual meaning and it loses the authenticity because of how much it's present. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's like mindfulness, you know, and clearing your mind. And, you know, I've been meditating for 20 years and uh, I think I think last year was the first time I actually had a clear mind. So I'm going, oh, I finally get it. Now I know what they talk about with a clear mind. But it took me like 20 years to get there, you know. It was nice to get there, though. So, yeah. Awesome. And so when, when you think about everything that's happened for you, the journey, the legacy that you're building, how you're impacting people's lives, what are some things that you have thankfulness for that people that have been in your life maybe you haven't shared it before um but it sounds like you you are very aware and you're showing that thankfulness for people so maybe very few people on this one but maybe there's some situations too that have taken place that you're thankful for that's occurred in your life and that has helped you to get where you're at what are some of those things for you 
So, yeah, I am, you know, like I have a very difficult relationship with my mother and it's actually that's a major propeller as to why I, I, I do this work. So, you know, am I grateful for that tense? No, I'm not. Um, am I grateful I'm on the planet? No, not really. I, you know, I don't think that's kind of so amazing. You know, I do, I do kind of work it to my advantage, but I wouldn't say I would be grateful for those experiences and I don't feel like it's a privilege to learn from them. I just wish I didn't have to do it. <laughs> now that I'm here, I'm doing it. So, but I would say that I've had a couple, of, I've come across a couple of people who are quite remarkable. I would say that and really changed the way that I understand life. So one is someone called Cecily Saunders. So I talked before about how my father died at a hospice and we didn't know until we got the, the call at two o'clock in the morning. So Australian mm. time that my father had died in the hospice in England. So for six weeks he was missing and we were completely beside ourselves and bereft. So, and confused beyond measure, confused. I cannot tell you how confusing it was. So when I was in my early twenties, I went to, I went to that hospice and I met the person who met dad actually. And she had obviously been working with people who are dying. She started the hospice movement. So she's kind of aligned with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. So it's that era. She just, it was a very interesting thing. So I met her. She was completely humble, completely humble. And she didn't have the tissues in her desk, in her office, and I was bawling my eyes out, you know. And she just said, I said, I'm so sorry for crying. She said, no, I should have thought about it. And there was something very dear about that. And, it, and I didn't feel that she looked at me as my, you know, I was quite a pretty young woman and I felt quite objectified by that. And so she looked at me as this soul who's in deep pain and angst. And it made me realise there's more than one way to see a person, actually. And that is in many ways what triggered my deep spiritual journey into the Buddhism to think about, well, how can I look at people differently? Mm. So I would say um, that was very uh, pivotal. And then um, actually my, my partner's nephew is enlightened. He's like Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> As you, who has an Eckhart Tolle in the family? I do. So <laughs> we've only been together for two years, my partner and I. And I'm going, oh, my goodness, he is like Eckhart Tolle. And so he's been guiding me into that enlightened space. And I haven't spent a day in enlightenment for that reason. I'm not enlightened, but I know that experience. So I, you know, like, wow, amazing. Mm. Like those two people made me see myself, others, the world, my possibilities. I could completely look at the world and myself 100%, 1,000% differently to what was being mm. on So. No, that, that's, that's phenomenal here. And it's just the the impact that people have in your lives and what that does for moving to the next level, helping you transition to wherever that is. And so it's it's phenomenal to hear how other people have impacted others. And so I appreciate sharing that information. And Wendy, as you look at everything with the journey and what you're putting out there, if uh, Legacy Ninja was looking to connect or just learn more about maybe your services or what you offer people, how can they connect with you? 
I have a website, so I'm kind of straight to the point, but I believe that kindness is central to it. So it's called kindlycutthecrap.com. And I have a, a LinkedIn profile. So it's Wendy-Nash, I think, something like that. And I'm in, I'm in Sydney at the moment. I'm about to move into state, but I'm in Sydney at oh, the okay. moment in Australia. So, uh, But you can track me down. There's a couple of Wendy Nashes in Sydney who do very similar work, so don't go to them. <laughs> go to me. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll put that stuff in. Uh, we'll put the items in the show notes um, so people have that opportunity to go and connect and uh, learn more. So, is there any other items? Maybe one thing that kind of popped up, um, anything that resonated with you that you wanted to share before we uh, sign off. You know, we can think that it is big, a legacy. We've got to leave a big legacy, like a statue. And it's not in that big stuff, that big stuff. The next year, it might not work. It might not be right. It might be, that person might turn out to be actually a really horrible person. So it's in the small stuff. It's just in this moment, find a way to be kind. It's not always easy. Definitely. And if all you can do is walk away, and that is an act of kindness, walk away. But just try and mm. become aware of your blind spots so that you don't crap on everybody else, basically. <laughs> I love that. No, that's huge. Uh, and that, that comes into building your tribe, building your circle, to allow people to be there that they can speak to openly to help you out with that. So I think that goes hand in hand with how we speak on finding those people, finding your circle, and also be mindful audit who you have within that circle too, because who got you to one level may not get you to that next level. So you might have some shifting coming along with the people that's in your life, but as you have people get released, it's that whole kindness piece of regardless of what happens, be kind to everybody, show up, be present for the small things. So. I think that's huge for somebody to listen and take that hold and extract and see what that means to them and what they need to do to bring that to the forefront to them as an individual. We appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody, our Legacy Ninjas that have joined us on this journey, heard this story with Wendy, what Wendy brings to the forefront, what she's doing to help others make that big impact and the change in the world. So as we say, appreciate everyone for allowing us to be on your journey. If you have anything, if there's something that you want to discuss, always send us an email through two native sons at gmail.com. Would love to hear your feedback, anything that resonated with you, so we can incorporate that in the community with our conversations and whatnot. So, other than that, Legacy Ninjas, we'll catch you on the next episode. Let's go enjoy life, love each other. <laughs>